Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been really thirsty before? And I don't mean like I was out mowing the lawn and I could really use a drink of water kind of thirsty. I'm talking about really, really thirsty, dehydrated kind of thirsty, parched kind of thirsty. The kind of thirsty that says if I could find some water, I wouldn't care if it was in a horse trough, I'd drink it, sort of thirsty. If you've been there before, you'll know that it's, 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 it's a little different than you think. It's actually a very, very painful experience. Usually the first thing that happens is your, your head starts to like absolutely throb. And then things get very dry on your body so that when you open your mouth or you smile or something like that, your lips tend to crack. Your fingers do the same thing. When you move them, they get tight, they get swollen, and they tend to crack as well. Your muscles will pull, or they'll, they'll get especially tight. They won't work right. Dehydration, the lack of water, I mean, it'll absolutely mess you up if you've been there before. In fact, one thing that you learn pretty quickly and becomes very clear is that water means life, and without it, you're as good as dead. <clears throat> and I think that's why, in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the idea of water so much to describe the stuff that he gives to us. I mean, it's all over the place in the Gospel. In John chapter 2, he's at the wedding at Cana, and he takes this water and he turns it into wine to remind us that the Messiah is here, and the, the age where the mountains are supposed to drip new wine, Amos says, that age has come. In John chapter 3, it's the water of baptism giving new birth to the believer, giving the birth into the faith. In John chapter 4, it's not the water at the bottom of the well that Jesus is talking about when he's speaking with the Samaritan woman, but the water that he gives her that will make her never thirsty again. <clears throat> because without what Jesus gives, we're as good as dead. I mean, that's the point. Without it, we're nothing but wretched human beings, and we're not filled with living water at all. We're filled with our own sin. Water means life, and without Jesus' water, we're as good as dead. Without living water, we spiritually thirst. And we all know something about what spiritual thirst feels like, because even though we're baptized children of God, even though we are believers, even though we are new people, our sinful nature still, still holds on. And so spiritually speaking, our lips crack when we lie and gossip and slander people around us. Our fingers crack when we point them at our neighbors and when we use them to type in words of hate and, and hurt. <clears throat> and our muscles pull when we use them to reach out to all the various forbidden fruits that are in our lives, just as our first parents did back in the Garden of Eden. That's what life is like without living water. It's a painful experience. We thirst, and in our sin, usually what happens is we seek to quench that thirst by whatever we can get our hands on. The thing is, it never works. Anytime we reach for anything that is not God, it never works. It only makes things worse. It's kind of like soda. I'm a soda drinker. Anybody else a soda drinker? Yeah, you can ask it. Those of you who are shaking your head, no, good. <laughs> you are more sanctified than I. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm a soda drinker. I would drink it, or you can ask my family, I would drink it all the time for every meal if I could. I love it. But I, I've noticed as I've gotten a little bit older that when I do that, when I drink a whole bunch at the same time, I actually end up really thirsty. And I thought that was weird 
But then I found out this week that there's actually some, some backing to that. There was a study published in 2016 that, that studied the effects of trying to rehydrate yourself with soda or with soft drinks. <clears throat> and what it found is it actually worsens dehydration. And not only that, it worsens the de- dehydration that causes renal problems. In other words, you do it too much and it can actually kill you. <laughs> the thing about sin is that's never enough motivation. I'm probably still going to drink Pepsi. But it all makes it, but it makes things worse. You know, that's the point. God's water means life, thirst means death, and anything that we reach to to quench that thirst that is not God, it always makes things worse, makes things worse, and ultimately it'll kill us. I want to shift gears just a little bit with that in mind and think about Good Friday. If you've been here on Good Friday before, it's one of my favorite services. We walk through the seven words from the cross. And it's got to be seven words from the cross, right? Because it's the Bible, and it's either seven or 40. And 40 would make a really long Good Friday service. Seven words from the cross, that's what's recorded. And, and you probably know a lot of them. You probably know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You, you probably know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You probably know, today you will be with me in paradise. Those are big quotes, and they stick with us. But there's one in, in Good Friday that's easy to miss. It's recorded only in the Gospel of John, and it's two very simple words that Jesus says from the cross, so it's really easy to overlook. The two simple words are, I thirst. And think about that for a minute. With all that other stuff in mind, think about that. Water means life in the Gospel of John. Thirst means death, and here you've got Jesus hanging on the cross saying, I thirst. The man who came to give living water to all who ask says, I thirst. The man who promised the woman at the well that that he had living water that would give her eternal life says, I thirst. The one who called out in our gospel reading today to anyone who would come to him that he had living water, and out of them streams of living water would flow. He himself is thirsty on the cross. And the soldiers don't do much. You remember the story? They don't give him water. They offer him sour wine is what they do. See, the thing about the Christian faith is that everything that we hold, all the sin that we cling on to, it gets put onto Jesus on the cross. And there it's Jesus himself who thirsts because all of our sin has been heaped on him. All all, all the lies that crack our lips and the cruelty that cracks our fingers and the idols that strain our muscles, all that stuff is put on Jesus. See, what we need is living water. And, And on the cross, because he's got our sin on him, what he needs is living water as well. That's why he says, I thirst. And here's the point. The point in the Gospel of John is that I get living water. And you get living water. And this morning, Leo got living water because Jesus didn't get any. Because Jesus is denied it on the cross. Because Jesus himself thirsted when he was weighed down with our sins and died that we might live. That's why we get living water. And actually, that's not the end of the water stuff in the Gospel of John. 
See, when Jesus dies, something else really amazing happens. It's another thing that's really small and really brief, or it seems that way. It's another thing that's only recorded in the Gospel of John, but it's massively significant. The centurion comes along to make sure Jesus is dead, remember? And he pierces Jesus' side, and what comes out? Blood and water, right? Blood and water out of the heart of Jesus and flowing onto us. Living water. Living water <clears throat> that is won by the death of Jesus for you and for me to let mend our lips and our fingers and our muscles that are cracked and are torn with sin, to quench our thirst with the only thing that can, to give life and life abundantly in Christ. Not a lot of Pentecost stuff so far in the sermon, right? I mean, it's Pentecost. We're supposed to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So it seems kind of weird to be talking so much about Jesus. And in fact, if you look at what Jesus says here, the only reason we really know that he's talking about the Holy Spirit is because John tells us that. Because John says he's talking to the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit. Remember what he says? He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart, will flow streams of living water. And then John says, he's talking about the Spirit when he says that. You know why we don't see much about the Spirit in this passage? Because he's really good at his job. See, the job of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. The job of the Holy Spirit is to do what we've been talking about this whole time, point us back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it does for us. See, the Spirit's all over this passage in John chapter 7. He's all over the place. Come, let him, let him come to me and drink. That's what you're doing right now. That's what happens when you come to church. That's what happens when you come here to receive living water, to receive word and sacrament. And by the way, you're here because the Spirit brought you here. You're here because the Spirit brought you here this morning. You're here because the Spirit connected you to this church. When he did, it might have looked like your mom or your dad. When he did, he might have looked a lot like a friend who never misses church and who talked you into coming with you, with him. But somebody brought you to church is the point. And that's how God's church works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Maybe that person is here right now. Maybe they're not here right now. Maybe they're not here anymore. Maybe they're in heaven. But see, the Holy Spirit works that way. He always works through people like parents who raise us in church, through friends who, who let us know that they're praying for us, through pastors who proclaim the word and the sacraments, through other Christians who remind us of what God's word says when we need it the most. That's how the Holy Spirit gives living water. We don't hear about him too much because he's really good at his job, because he uses people to give us life. He uses people to give us living water, the water that means life, that quenches the thirst that comes with our sin. See, living water means eternal life, and what the Spirit does is he uses all those ways to make that living water flow into you, and it doesn't stop there. It also flows through you. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 7. <clears throat> it's kind of like a spring. Do you know how a, how a spring works? Not like a, not like a spring, but a spring of water. I had no idea how a spring worked. I thought water just came out of the ground, and I didn't really know why, but it turns out, I looked it up, what happens is there's an underwater aquifer 
and it gets so full of water that it just absolutely overflows and bubbles out all these little cracks in the ground. That's exactly what faith does. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Out of his heart will flow streams of living water, Jesus says. That's what happens. You turn into a spring. See, the Holy Spirit fills you up again and again and again with God's word, with the body and blood of Jesus, so much so that it absolutely bubbles over in our life. Living water. And we aren't just, that means we aren't just forgiven and we aren't just chosen. We don't just have living water. We, we are springs of the same living water to the people around us. And here's what that looks like. I mean, it actually looks a lot like our second reading. Peter standing up at Pentecost, the first Pentecost, and proclaiming God's law and God's gospel to thousands of people. It looks like Stephen in Acts chapter 7, crying out to God and bearing witness to Jesus in the resurrection. 1,500 years later, it looks like Luther standing up when he's asked to recant the pure gospel and saying, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. It looks like you. And those are all big examples. But very much more often, it looks like you. It looks like you talking across the fence with a neighbor and inviting him to church. It looks like you consoling your friend at a funeral visitation and assuring her that God remains with her because Jesus died for her. It looks like you bringing your kids to church or bringing your grandkids to church, forming them in the faith, emphasizing how important the message of Jesus' death and resurrection really actually is. See, the Holy Spirit is the unsung hero of the Trinity because he works through people. He works through you, he works through me, and he does it in some of the most ordinary and mundane parts of our lives, to be honest. And yet he does it so that people can constantly and consistently hear God's word through their brothers and their sisters in Christ. <clears throat> now, I don't know what you're walking into when you walk out of the doors of church today. I don't know if you're headed out into a, a complete mess or if you're headed out into just a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. I have no idea. But what I do know is that Jesus gives you living water because he died for you. What I do know is that Jesus took on whatever thirst that you have in your life and sent his Holy Spirit to work in your life so that whatever you're facing, you're already victorious in him. I do know that this Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will fill you up even further so that this week, when you leave church and whatever you go out to do, living water is going to flow out of you like a spring. Especially when you meet people who thirst. And through you, he's going to change lives because through Jesus, he changed yours. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.